the Diamantina Podcasting Network is proud to present a glittering new season celebrating the barbaric ballet we call Rugby League. You must feel pretty confident with that uh, additional bulk he's put on. Now watch the defence, it'll be fairly uh, violent I would imagine. And now the gladiators, Hoppawati with the left forearm. It was as nasty as we've seen for a long time. A little bit out of character, he's a very clean player. Manly slumped to eighth on the ladder. Uh, it's just rubbing salt into the worm. You can see the head clash there. Oh, very nasty. And the crowd love it. They've all taken the angry pill. The smash is in the ground. The one-handed pass back inside. With a delicate kick. They smacked their bottoms with a beautiful bit of football early. Thank you, Mrs. Robinson. Another little slanging match. He's only five minutes from the line. And he's hurt on the bird. He runs into a wall. Certainly got some forearm in it for some damage done to him with a boot or a knee. But my heavens, he's really bleeding. He's come out of it very much the worse for wear. Bleeding like a stuck pig out there. And the crowd's starting to go wild. Intercepted. Shows it. Goes outside. Steps, steps again. Steps again. He gets it down. It is a try. Yes, it's a try. It's a sad, sad commentary on the mentality of some of the idiots that follow Australian sport. Now, please welcome your host. 47-game journeyman, Chris Gale, and failed grand final halftime entertainment, Dennis Garnhan, as they fire up. Yes, you are on the Diamantina Podcast Network with Chris Gale and Dennis Carnahan, and they are the iconic original fire-up opening credits, Dennis, but... I'm not sure that's Dave Ray doing the voiceover there. No, I think that's actually the uh, the American Little River Band <laughs> stepped in to take over from the real Little River Band. What, speaking of which, <laughs> people don't appreciate how huge the Little River Band were in the United States. I mean, they were which ab- one? The actual one or the fake one? No, no, the real one. Yeah. They were absolutely massive, particularly during the Shorrock oh. era. But do we really remember or pay enough reverence in Australia to the Farnham years? <laughs> The Farnham years is a wonderful story that Farnham watched Little River Band. Sorry, that Shorrock watched Little River Band with Farnham. And he was really pissed off because all the songs were put up a major fourth, put up five semitones. So all of them sounded ballsier. All of them sounded strong. Like if you play ACDC down a fourth, so you're playing an E instead of A, it sounds pissy. ACDC tuned their guitars to B flat instead of A just to have that little bit more in it. A bit like Sabbath. And suddenly Little River Band had so much ballsier, so much more meat, so much more rock and power. And Shorrock was really pissed off because he couldn't sing that high, which right. Farnham had a you know soprano voice. I can only name, I think it was called The Other Guy. That's the only Little River Band song I can remember where Farnham had lead vocal duties. But, I mean, the Shorrock oeuvre is just unbelievable. Well, he did all the Shorrock songs. But... And in a little bit of meta, of course, they had an album called Diamantina Cocktail, and here we are on the Diamantina, <sighs> Diamantina Podcast, Podcast Network. Network. Wow. Look, Dennis, it's a pretty sad week uh, that we've experienced. It's a week that I would describe as one of loss. I mean, we've lost Carla Zampatti. Mm-hmm. Peter Credlin wrote in her column, she said, I think every Australian woman would have a Zampatti in their wardrobe. I don't think she understands the complete socioeconomic structure of our... <laughs> Society. Well, they're not Australian women. If they don't, that will be Peter Credlin's understanding. That's right. uh, prince Philip, of course. Prince Philip. Yes, yeah. I, I met the prince. Did you? Yes. In what context? I met the prince in 1977. They're out here for a jubilee, and uh, 
I've, I haven't told this story before. No. I, oh, I was at school child. All the school children from Canberra marched along to Anzac Parade. And we had a practice day a couple of days earlier. And I marched along. And um, being in fifth grade, we'd just been given our pen licenses. And me and my pal, Matt Green, were like, wouldn't it be cool to peace shoot the Queen? Like spitball them. <laughs> oh, no. So we've gone down with our pens in our top pocket and some little bits of paper. And on the day, we've lined up and we've got the paper in our mouth and put it in the pen and sitting there surreptitiously. The Queen... Lee's is about five, seven metres away and we both pull our pens out, miss, but one goes past her eye line and the Queen <laughs> glances and sees it go past and we then, suddenly, I just remember it, everything went white and hot and it was like, what have we just done? And we're putting our pens back together, they're putting them in our pockets and both of us just shaking going, that was really, really stupid. At which point Phil, who is walking right beside the barrier, walks past and stops in front of us and looks at us and says... Hello, boys. And he's got his hands <laughs> clasped behind his back. We, I don't, how I didn't wet myself, I don't know. He then goes, leans in close and says, I saw what you did. <laughs> Absolutely shitting ourselves. He then leans in right in between us and goes, you missed. <laughs> and then carries on down the line. Very good. I that mean, was Prince... You're lucky because I think if you look in the English law book, I think under treason, uh, that's included. I think we would have been in the tower. Gee, I'm glad you didn't say you've met Prince Philip later in life in some sort of Epstein-type situation. <laughs> and the one and only Tommy Radonikus, of course. Oh. I mean, everyone's been telling their uh, Tommy Radonikus anecdotes. I have none. But I did like Laurie Daly's one saying when he was playing country origin and Tommy was coaching. And Tommy goes, we've got to bash him. That was his defensive strategy. And then Laurie went up after training and said, so Tommy, what, what are you actually looking for here? Are you looking for up and in defense or do you want us to slide and get the, the inside shoulder? And Tommy goes, I'll think about it, Laurie. And he came to training the next day and goes, boys, we're playing slide defense and we're going to bash him. <laughs> any for you? Any great memories of the man? It's, it, most of it has been stories. Like, yes. I remember watching him play. And I remember being terrified. I remember being scared watching the West Magpies play. When they were on the match of the day on TV, I, you know, I never saw the West Magpie play. My first NRL, uh, rugby, New South Wales Rugby League first grade game would have been 81 uh, when, when the Raiders joined. Seaford Oval? Yeah. I, right. I hadn't been to a game before then. I came to a couple in Sydney in the early 80s, but I'd never seen it. And I used to be terrified when Wests were on match of the day. I was scared of them. Donnelly and Boyd, like they were just terrifying. And but, I, <laughs> I would lose sleep. There's a wonderful image them. that I will post on the Fire Up Facebook page which was from the ad they ran where the five west boys did an ad for the sydney sun which was one of the afternoon newspapers <laughs> yeah. tommy boyd dorahy dallas donnelly and graham o'grady and they looked terrifying unbelievable and i, I did i did not I, I had done a couple of functions with um tommy with tommy and it was post Artie dying and he could not speak about Artie without bursting into tears sure. and it was it, just not what I expected from my memories of, as, as a child in the 70s seeing him play, seeing him burst into tears and openly bawling about Artie. Everyone was, was says, amazing. like Les Boyd says, you know, every telephone conversation he'd end with, I love you, Les. Yeah. And uh, he was a man who apparently very much wore his emotions on the sleeve. And of course, there's a lot of uh, swelling of support for the idea of the Origin Shield being called the Beast and oh. Radonica Shield, and it seems to make sense. The inaugural captains. It's beautiful, and obviously you're not like that because it's not a commercial arrangement. It's a it's a traditional, and you'd much prefer the commercial arrangements and sponsorship. No, it'd be, I, I think it'd, it'd be something a- like the Super Duper. <laughs> Radonica's Beats and Shield. Yeah, well, Holden, Beats and oh, no, Holden doesn't it? exist anymore, does it? Yeah, yeah. And, oh, but you know. Tr- 
that era was when I first started like, Could it be Bitonicus? The Bitonic, the Bitonic, like make him a super couple. The Bitonicus. Bitonicus. Yep. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-five. Bitonicus. Jets versus Roosters was my first game in Henson Park, <laughs> but the loss has extended from the individuals to your team, the Canberra Rainers, Dennis, and of course my previously mighty West Tigers. Frustrated, mate. It's so frustrating, and um. You know, we've got to find something. It's been the same, the same. Sorry, same stuff for three years. It's just I'm over it, and we've got to, we've got to fix it, mate. It's just not good enough. And I got a, yeah, I got, I got a winning team in there because uh, we didn't get the points tonight. But uh, I, I know what change room I like. I prefer to be in coaching tonight, and that's in my change room. And, Uh, yeah, just disappointment. Um, thought across the board, um, yeah, no, we just really lacked effort and drive. And it hurt. Where we are at the present moment as a team, and there's complacency sitting inside us. Well, mate, that's that's pretty disappointing. Have thought out of Athens, Georgia, alternative rock band REM would have such an important role in sport because we certainly hear that tune when are we when we're dealing with a sense of loss. And rugby league, it's many things. It's hate, but it's certainly a lot about loss. And do they play? Is there a with the new American League forming? Is there a team in Georgia? Don't think so. Because he clearly they have a great understanding of what rugby league is all about. It's yes. all about hurting. Yeah. The, the only issue is it says sometimes. It yeah. should be 15 out of 16 That's on right. average, but in fact, oh, yeah. for, some, for some, it's it's you know a lot more than that. I think it's the Vegas Venom. Am I, is that the franchise in Las Vegas, I think? I think it's who I'm going to get behind. But uh, yeah, really, really tough times in Australia, particularly for fans of the West Tigers. Now, with the loss of Tommy Rodonicus, now Alberti played for the Western Suburbs side of the merger and he never ran onto Leichhardt Oval. Which is, of course, the most ground. powerful side. And it is, you know, they're the, the financiers. And is there actually a Belmain Tigers anymore? And Theoretically, in some of the lower grades, I believe. <clears throat> but, you know, and Tommy never ran onto Leichhardt Oval as a home ground advantage. No. The opportunity was, with his passing, was to celebrate him appropriately at Leichhardt Oval as we took on the hapless North Queensland Cowboys oh. who were donut and four going in. Uh, now, I was there, Dennis. Were you? Now, I believe you were working the St. George Parramatta game, correct? I was watching St. George belt Parramatta, and I have to say it was beautiful. Like they, they, I do love how cocky Parramatta fans get early season. Every year, year after year, they get cocky, and then suddenly they just lose to <laughs> the Dragons. <laughs> well, we might come to the Dragons a little bit later. But no, uh, that's a, where I was. A, a friend of mine who I watched that game on replay with just simply said continuously, they're cheating. They are cheats. <laughs> who, the Dragons? Yeah. Why? Because they were playing better. 11-6 yeah. against. We'll come to that. So the day began with a moving tribute where uh, every number seven jersey in the various games that were on, they played four games during the morning and afternoon, had the number seven jersey retired. Nice. Tigers ran onto the field, followed by uh, halfback Luf Brooks in a number 22 jersey, and he just simply handed it to the chairman of the West Tigers, Lee, Lee Hatchapatelis. Mm-hmm who looked like he was an extra from The Sopranos, I'm telling you. And it was it was kind of like one of those things like putting the, you know, the, the flower on the 
Yeah. Uh, Coven is a... Uh, he's one of ours. He's one of yeah, theirs. Yeah. He's, he's a friend of mine, a friend of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and obviously, and he then draped the jersey over one of the chairs on the bench and uh, basically was saying that the Tigers were stuffed. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it, it played out after the Hammer scored a try that was eerily reminiscent down the left-hand wing as Ray, uh, uh, Nathan Blacklock did in 2001. <laughs> When we led 22-21 with a minute and a half on the uh, clock and uh, attempted a field goal and then Blacklock came and scored a try down exactly the same wing, same corner, uh, though uh, Tabby Alfredo did not do a backflip after he scored such the try a, after, such after Blacklock. Such a Tiger's story. 20 years. It's just like, it's just a recurrent nightmare. Yeah. And as Gus Gould suggested, we didn't handle the occasion well. So we were suddenly behind us, find ourselves behind on the scoreboard, 22 points to six. Now, on this particular occasion, I'd had my mate Pete Collar with me, but I also had four wrestlers from Pro Wrestling Australia. Oh, who were they? They were Matt Rogers. Yep. Um, the most fearsome uh, individual in professional Not wrestling. Not the former Shark and Union player. No, no. Oh, but right. he does spell his name M-A-T. Ooh. Bell Pierce, who's part of SMS, a faction who's devoted to censorship across this great nation of ours. And we're, we're, we're very concerned about Bell because she was uh, formerly a hippie wrestler. And now she's just gone the personification of evil with a spear to die for, mind you. So has she gone so far left that she's actually gone around and come to right? <laughs> Correct. Right. Jack J. Bonza, yep. member of the Red Nation. Okay. And JT, our ring announcer, who was oh. formerly Future Shock. Hang on, JT. So Tamalolo or Taylor or, <laughs> or, or, or who's your captain? Jason Tamo. Tamo? Well, was it? It, or, or... Tamo was on the bench, so much he could have been in the box with us. And anyway, so 22 to 6, and I'm reading the mood, the mood outside, and there was a box of Tigers fans in front of us who were just blowing up the Deluxe. Yep. And in front of that was Latrell Mitchell and his family. Oh, uh, nice. Which led the Tigers guys to... Very respectful. Yeah. Call for Latrell to come on. And Latrell saw the funny side of it, took photos after, was absolutely fantastic. But I said to the wrestlers, they're going to boo us at 22-6. And then Cowboys scored again and it's 28-6. You can hear the audio there from the game. That's real audio from the game. So we are down 28-6. And this comes off the back of the ground announcer go... Come on, West Tigers hey, fans. Hey, this audio, is that, is that from the game or is that from the wrestling? No, no, that's from the game. Right. right. It does. You're right. And the, the ground announcer goes, come on, get behind your West Tigers. Let's go, Tigers. And you heard. And the wrestlers go, these guys are incredible. Because Redfern Pat pointed out to me, these West Tigers guys know how to get some heat from the crowd. Oh, yeah. You know? That really riled them up. And according to the script, what was going to happen? Well, we had to wait for half time, right? So we're down 28-6 at halftime and the boos have been raining out. And uh, one of the sponsorship guys takes current West Tigers players, Billy Walters and Sean Bloor, and takes them to meet the people in the various corporate areas, right? And so Billy Walters and Sean are brought into our box <laughs> and immediately start profoundly apologising. Sorry about this. This is unacceptable. We're going to fix this. You shouldn't have to endure that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Sean was talking to my mate Pete, and I'm talking to Billy and Bell Pierce from SMS, and get your tickets on Oztech ticks for the, the next PWA show, Aussie Open versus the Velocities when May eight, May eight, May 8. Max Ooh. Watts going to be huge. Tag team belts on the line. What day of the week's that? Sorry, what day of the week's that? That's a Saturday. <clears throat> Anywho, Bell Pierce is a Broncos fan. I go, oh Bell, uh, this is Billy Walters. Uh, his father coaches the Broncos, and Billy looks at him and goes, I guess I should apologise for that as well. <laughs> Anyway, I said, how's the knee going? He goes, good. I said, you want a good so you can get out on the field. You don't have to do this anymore, right, Billy? Anyway, they walked out and there was a little bit of hope. Uh, Dennis and Pat, you'd be familiar with the format at Leichhardt. What do you get at halftime? Oh, the Devonshire scones. 
You get the scones, the jams, the cream, oh, the party pies, the sausage oh, rolls, spirits yeah. lifted, the Tigers Ooh. rallied. Yes. And we lost by four points. Oh, what a great day. What a, like, what, what, there must have been a lot of satisfied Tigers fans walking out upset and sad, but familiar and warm with that feeling. Well, 20 years ago, Nathan Blacklock down the left <laughs> wing. I mean, it just all unravels. And, and of course, Paul Candace pointed out the people who've given up a day's work to come to the game. And to those people, I say, you're bloody idiots, yeah. right? Because you get what you deserve. So my first ever time at Leichhardt was, uh, was a Friday night in the mid-90s and went with a group of friends to watch the Bears play the Tigers. It was, it was like round one of the season. Bears, Tigers, Leichhardt, how good. And um, the Tigers are <laughs> about six points up and they lost by two with, <laughs> with 10 minutes to go. And all the Bears fans were up and about. And I couldn't help myself. I was in my Woodgers jersey. But say... There's nothing happier than an early season Bears fan. And they all loved it. They're like, yeah, you're right. There is how good early season. Early season's great. And the Tigers fans just walked out. We went to that pub that's on the way home. And, oh, memories. It's not all bad because we got uh, a little bit of fuel for our feud with Penrith out of this. So we're now at 100% capacity in our grounds, but that's in the grandstand seated areas. There are still social distancing requirements about capacity on the hill. Uh-huh. Now, you were out at Penrith v Canberra. Yes. Sorry about sold that. Sold out. Yep, sold out. And it was packed on the hill. It was packed on the hill. Well, the hills are at each end. Yes. There. So normally, at most grounds, if you get, you know, you can fill the sides pretty easy, but getting the ends packed, and it was shockers. And CEO Brian Fletcher from Penrith now realises he misread the memo from the New South Wales government and he sold too many tickets on the hills, right? So the Tigers have said, hey, we followed the rules. We're a sellout. And they announced the crowd is 9,400 and something. Now, I know my Leichhardt crowds. I'm telling you there are 13,000 people there. And this is the first time in history that I can be aware of a rugby league club understating the crowd <laughs> to show how compliant they are and what good guys they are. And it's just, you know, again, the Ivan Cleary, most evil person in rugby league, Penrith just flouting the rules. They are the Kardashians of rugby league. Oh, 100%. And we might come to them shortly. Now, the other big losses, again, we are always breaking news on this podcast, Dennis, even though it's time shifted. Yep. The news has come through on the wires. What in relation to the Sharks coaching situation? Well, we, we know that next year... Bomber's gone. So the Bomber won't be there next year because they've signed up um, the Roosters' assistant coach for the last eight years, whose father coached the Sharks. Alan. His father, Alan, coached the Sharks, Fitzgibbon. And so that he's signed up. Now, there's, they might be getting Cameron Serraldo. They might not. But he was the Bondi wall that was instituted, as in lie on the players and hold them down in the ruck and give away penalties. That's the Fitzgibbon method. He's now going to be head coach from next year. He's got a three-year contract. But no one knows where that leaves Bomber. Yep. No one knows whether the Roosters will let him go early. And maybe they could sack Bomber now and get rid of it. So at this stage, it looks like they're not going to. So will John Morris walk away? Or will he stick out the year? Because he, it's understood he has the dressing room. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure about that. Because, you know, like this was being discussed uh, in the exalted uh, hallways of 360 last night. And Ben Eichen's going, hey, they've been top eight the last two years. You know, he's had all sorts of salary cap limitations. It's not his team. It's not his roster. It wasn't his team, not his roster, surely. And then Kenty, who just listened to Buzz and Hoop sort of giving the counter thing, which is, 
People don't want to come and play for John Morris. People don't want to come and play for John Morris. Hence, we're establishing the Fire Up Centre of Coaching Excellence yeah. to try and put these kiddies like Morris and maybe Fitz, Craig Fitzgibbon and Sorraldo. Yeah, get the, get them up and make them uh, we'll recruitment get ready. Buzz to come and yeah. help. <laughs> I tell you what, we'll be evoking the spirit of Tommy. Just bash him. <laughs> and uh, so the, the problem was there that they weren't going to play for Morris, and then Kenty. Chipped in and said, "Ah, here he prevaricates." He prevaricates, and that of <laughs> course said, everyone <laughs> died for the dictionary. And said, "What does that mean?" He goes, "He comes in with a solution one day and a different solution the other." Yeah. So there are a few question marks about it, but it's pretty tough, right? Because first of all, good-looking guy. Oh yeah. If they rebooted Apollo thirteen, he could play the Jack Swigert role in a minute because he reminds me very much of Kevin Bacon. He just needs to get the hair a bit more up, right? But that—that's just a styling issue. But. Also, we've heard Sean Johnson rhapsodise about how great a coach and how much he did for Sean. Rhapsodise, prevaricate. Yeah. 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 Who's down on the sidelines at the moment. But you've come across some feedback about Morris, about how sort of quintessential shark he is. Well, he has, according to his manager, Gavin Orr, he has shark's DNA. Wow. Now, this is an interesting thing because there's an article the BBC wrote in their science page of 2019 all about great white sharks may hold the secret to curing cancer and mm-hmm. other age-related diseases. And you look at Ricky Stewart. Ricky Stewart is only 19. Have you seen how he looks? Coaching ages him. Whereas he's saying, Johnny Morris, Boy, he looks, he play looks fantastic. And it's all you play to do on the tomorrow. shark's DNA. It also reveals that their DNA strands are 50% longer than human DNA. They have a lot of mutations, inverted comma symbol, mutations in there. Because he would have... Eels, tigers, and knights yes, DNA all in these there mutations, as well, right? which protect against cancer and other illnesses. They also make them heal quicker from wounds. And you look at that jawline. That's a magnificent jawline. That's a set It's not square. like the gigantism that you've got. <laughs> Over young Nathan Cleary. Over young Nathan Cleary. So, uh, you know, this is uh, research carried out by the Save Our Seas Foundation Shark Research Centre at Nova Southeastern University in Florida. Do they have a rugby league team? They will soon. They will soon. And maybe that's where Johnny Morris will go. The Florida Sharks. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So, I mean, this is a, a developing story. I will say about Craig Fitzgibbon, my favourite Craig Fitzgibbon moment, and there are many, mm. was when he, again, assistant coach for the Roosters, <laughs> 2015. I happened to be up at the, and is it preliminary final, qualifying final? I never know. One of the semis. One of the semis. And they're playing the, uh, the Bronx, the Roosters. And you knew from moment one in that game that the Broncos are going to win because Sean Kenny Dowell, uh, I think, receives the kickoff and then double pumps a pass and is intercepted by Darius and the Broncos are off and running. Yep. And there's a young, exuberant Broncos fan who's been on the drink. And every time the Broncos scored, and we were sitting right in front of the coach's box with Robbo and Fitzy, he'd come up and sort of lair at the box, right? So, of course, when full time is blown, he's just gone up, given the double finger to the Roosters box, swaying from side to side because he's clearly intoxicated. And Fitzgibbon pounds on the glass with his hand and starts doing the slashing throat uh, notion. The, which I believe the couple apungal, yeah. which is banned from the harker. Right. He's doing the harker. He's doing the couple apungal. That's what you want in your first grade coach. And um, well, if, better, He's doing better than blowing kisses. Yeah. And if Johnny Morris has got shark DNA, thank goodness he's not lumbered with the octopus DNA where only one oh. former rugby league grade has it. And we speak, of course, of Cameron Smith. You're on fire up. We'll be back in a moment. Yeah, Brian Taho, he's a great player. A terrific <laughs> player. What are you laughing at? Do I get his name wrong? <laughs> no. Brian Taho. Taho. 
There's no hope. No, there's no hope. Dava, Simon Fagawi, both the... I struggle with this, Trebojevic. No, that's not it. Trebojevic. Trebojevic. That's it. Mate, I'm getting better, aren't I? No. I think Peter Beattie's done a good, solid job. Been a bit clumsy, mucked up some names. I've been covering football for four decades and I do not understand it. Buzz Rothfield. <laughs> now, now, we're laughing with him, not at him, surely. Oh, 100%. Because we all struggle with Trebojevic and Toto. <laughs> And see a man of Well, we probably don't actually, but still. Tino Fatsuo Maliawi. How much do you get paid to do this podcast? <laughs> not a Nothing. cent. Come on, Buzz. <laughs> it's not that hard. As Big Tino says, and himself, it's not actually that hard. Yeah, that, yeah, I do. Fasumalaluwe. Fa'a. Fa'a. When there's the apostrophe, yep. you put a pause. For, Other than that, it is straight phonetic. They only have five vowels, they have no diphthongs. So the Pacifica languages don't have diphthongs. Take me through it. Fa'a. Fa'a. S-U-A, Sua, yep. Ma, M-A, L-E-A-U-A, Laui. Fa'asuma Laui. Close. Thank you. Fa'asuma Laui. Now, speaking of Brian To'o, who's to-o. At, who is the... <laughs> and, and you can't say it without saying, uh-oh, To'o. <laughs> Gee, playing good footy. He's fun to watch. And if you say, uh-oh, To'o, that takes me to, uh-oh, Chungo, which was... Danger Island. On the Banana Splits. Oh. Starring a young Jan Michael Vincent. Jan, not Jean. No, was it? No, Jan Michael Vincent. I think mm. was it. Banana Splits. Were you a fan? Yeah. Very surreal for those who don't remember it. There were these four guys in these animal suits. One banana, two banana, three banana, four. Oh, yeah. Four um, banana plane. Now there can't be many more. Yeah. Flipping like a pancake, pancake popping like, like a cork. cork. Jingo, fringo. No, it's uh, Fingo makes four. It's Flegel, Bingo, <laughs> Drooper, and Snork, whose actual full name was Snorky, and they rode around in the banana buggies. And they would have these sort of surreal interstices between cartoons like uh, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves and all these things and the Three Musketeers. Though the Fourth Musketeer was D'Artagnan. It used to confuse me as a child. Uh, But the thing that I really like and I think had some sort of formative thing of me as a young male, sort of the hormones starting to work with the Sour Grapes Bunch. Oh, goodness. Do you remember the Sour Grapes Bunch? Yes. So they were young girls who would come in go-go dancing in the Sour Grapes Bunch Quite challenging for a, pu- a pubescent yeah. boy, child. And sort of mm. miniskirts and dancing around and then they'd bop the banana splits on the <laughs> nose. It was, I don't know, I still haven't got over it. I'd, I'd put them alongside uh, Hot Gossip. I actually have a copy of, they recently did the banana splits movie and they've turned it into a slasher flick. Where, where the four banana- And so they obviously always made this movie has channeled the same fear I had. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll save it for a rainy um, day where the Tigers are playing and I decide not to go out. But Toa, who is the premier meter eater in the rugby league and part of the Kardashian Panthers because they yeah. are the nouveau rich. They, oh, very. There's, a, very there's, a, there's an arrogance that's emanating from the foot of the mountains, Dennis, mm. from Blue Bet Stadium, to oh. give her its current name, which must drive you nuts. Not at all. What do you pa- call it? Penrith Stadium. Penrith Stadium. Or, right. or Panther Park. Panther Park? Yeah. So that's kind of it. It's just, it's is that Pan- before they Pan- built Pan- the stadium? stadium? Is that what it was? Panther no, Park? No, Panther Park's kind of the colloquial name for it. Right. Panther Park. Right. It's beautiful. So they're out of Bluebet Stadium, yeah. uh, I think, to the tune of about 30 points to 10, something in that region. Yes. Went down to your Canberra Raiders. Now, you were there. No, the, the Canberra Raiders went down to them. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah, sorry, got that around the wrong way. That's right. Now, that's it, right. it was Canberra one of those lost. games, though. Where I don't think the score reflected the game. There was an intercept well, pass with a few minutes to go and then another try. Like So the Raiders were playing catch-up. When you play catch-up, you have to play high-risk footy. There was two tries scored off high-risk footy that weren't game right. plan. So right. I think 20 to 10, you know... 1810. So, yeah, probably reflected it. Did Ricky Stewart give a press conference after saying, I'd rather be in this dressing room? 
He would 100% rather be there, though, because he has players that are humble. He has players that are grounded, that are earthed, that understand footy. He doesn't have a bunch of showboating pretty boys who are celebrating. Sure, they've won 20 games, but they've done nothing. Where are they in the record books? Well, I mean... They, did they win the grand final last year? Are they reigning premiers? No, they're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. And they're cock-a-hoop and dancing around and mocking the Viking clap, which, fair point to them. However, as my Bulgarian weightlifting coach used to say, and I can't say it in Bulgarian, the ones you meet when you up are the ones you meet when you're down. And I look forward to when those kiddies from Penrith, when the Kardashians have their downfall and all have their marriages fall apart. Well, no, I'm not going to say that, but they all like the downfall like the Kardashians. And the Raiders are just going to win. It's going to beat them. And they're not going to sit there and layer up or anything. It's going to go, yeah, how do you feel now, boys? <laughs> it's funny when you it's talk, when I reflect on the most recent premierships won by our relative teams. Mm. Yeah, 94 for you? 94. Yeah. A long, 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 long time Penrith, ago. 2003. Tigers, 2005. <laughs> Fortunately, Redfern Pat's not on the mic at the moment. But there was an incident after yet another Panthers try mm. where your mate Joseph Tarpany was waiting to be subs on, on the field. And, uh, it, Standing there minding and it kind of went a little south, didn't it? Standing there minding his own business and the Kardashians came and swamped him. And he just stood there and he smiled and said, boys, I'm, I'm not even on the field. I'm not even, what are you doing? You guys are layering up, and I'm not even on the field. You should be layering up at the people you beat. I've been on the bench. Why are you layering up at me? And they kept layering up. This is the thing. They're doing burnouts. They're on the pink party bus, and they have done nothing. You don't win premierships in April, and you don't layer up until you win. Well, a lot of the commentators were suggesting that Canberra is exactly where they want to be. They're not playing their best football now. They'll be playing their best football at the end of the year. What team doesn't intend to do that, I guess, would be my question. Well, I'd say the Panthers. <laughs> you you mentioned the Panthers crowd imitated yeah. the clap. How do you, if I had to endure Tigers fans booing their own team, how do you look at another set of fans imitating the Canberra and clapping, giving you guys the clap, so to speak? I don't know what it is. I don't know what format and what media it is. Ricky doesn't have Russell's book of feuds. Mm -hmm. But Ricky has a memory put it in the bank it's in the bank it's and just like and my my take you back to a certain Adam Fanua Blake who didn't play this weekend so his Warriors lost and they had a game where they clearly they won the game in Canberra on the back of what Annesley came out and said that was the wrong call the, uh, they shouldn't have scored that try the Raiders should have won and Adam from Blake, as a crowd are booing, is giving boo-boo fingers, boo-boo yeah, yeah, hands, rubbing the eyes, giving that to the... No, he was blowing kisses. No, he also did the, he did the, the, the boo-boo the eyes. Yeah, he did all that. So Adam from Blake did oh, the boo-boo eyes. He did the full eyes. range. He did <laughs> the, such a bastard. did the boo-boo eyes to the crowd. Can you imagine the joy when the Seagulls came back to town and they smashed them and Adam from Blake, the whole crowd is one, we're going, at Adam and he just sat and fair call he just copped it he, he sat there smiled and waved at them well your only potential revenge this year is the playoffs because you don't meet again in the regular season when we kick them out and say hey how's that for your 30 year revolution yeah. and in terms of poor behaviour one thing that I picked up that didn't seem to get on the wire very much was uh, Panthers scored yet another try boys were layering it up congratulating each other on mm -hmm. the fence and Hudson Young came and petulantly kicked the ball at high velocity and went straight into the little Panther uh, gathering The there. Kardashian. 
had it not, would have taken out some kitty on the hill. And I think Hudson Young, who's had issues, needs to think about the children a little bit more, Dennis. He really Hudson does. Young had just given away the penalty Correct. on the 20-metre line on the second tackle, which uh, <clears throat> gave it away. Now, just speaking of Penrith, before we move on to the next thing, uh, I mentioned Kevy Walters before. I love Kevy. And uh, Billy rep- apologising to a Broncos fan about his father's coaching. Yes. But he gave a little gem in the press conference after their loss to the Rabbits this week. What gives you hope, Kev, that you're heading in the right direction? What, well, I've seen enough tonight in different stages of the game. South Sydney are a top four side. They finished a preliminary final, possibly could have got in the grand final last year and have been very good for two or three years. So we're not playing against mugs. These are the best teams in the competition the last two weeks, along with Penrith um, next week, which is, you know, our, our next opponent. So, so, so he's kind of sort of put... Put a context, like, you know, we've competed for periods of the time, it's, it, the game against Melbourne and Souths, you know, we've done the hard work, and then he just occurs when we've got Penrith next week. God, it's tough, but get rid of the gingham, Kevy. Now, the other rampant team, and you were at Bankwest Stadium. Yep. Western Sydney Stadium. Thank you. Thank you. To see a rampant St. George Illawarra Dragons, give it to the Parramatta Eels, who had previously unbeaten... I know you were working feverishly trying to deliver the great sonic work on the ABC radio network that we all well, enjoy. It was a and wonderful love. orchestra because obviously, with, with when you're mixing, you have the the crowd. That's the string section underneath the virtuoso violins of the commentators and the, the counterpoint given by the the woodwinds or the the referees. The orchestra was fantastic at uh, Western Sydney Stadium. There's because there's so dragons have a lot of fans and yeah. dragons fans don't like eels. And there was good turnout. And there's no hill, so every everyone was legal. And everyone's legal. Plus, because of the cauldron effect, the sound in there swirls. So when the dragons score, you couldn't tell whose home game it was. It's true. There was just so much noise. It was beautiful. Modern architecture. And and to as I said, my mate Pete Collar came back to my house to watch the replay on delay. And of course, I was despondent, disconsolate, and depressed about the Tigers. But he's arcing up about what was going on in the game, because there were eleven six agains awarded against the St George Illawarra Dragons. Ding! Only in exchange for one sin bin to Tarek Sims after four in a row. And he's just going, they're cheats, they're cheating. I hate St. George, they're cheats. To be honest, I couldn't give a rat's ass because we've just been bundled out. Parramatta fan? Huge Parramatta fan now. (laughs) Come to to it late in life. Oh, that makes me so happy because Parramatta fans, like I said, early season, they're so up and about and so excited and so this is it. They're the only team that hold the Raiders out from being the longest (laughs) drought of premierships are the Eels. Uh, Thank God for the Eels. uh, Andrew Webster pointed out that he was one of the people who questioned whether DJ Hook um, with Stephen Ferris in the assistant coach's box was up to the task, and he says, I think I should be eating a humble pie, but then he referenced the Dragons who were high-flying in 2018 and completely dropped their bundle. Which is, of course, the Dragons thing to do. Exactly right. So it's, so it's a little premature, but they're very uh, direct. Mm. They're playing bustling defense. It's very physical. And as I said, 11-6 again. Can I get the sound again from you, Dennis? Ding! Thank you very much. The oven bell. And only one Simbin, which seemed like a good deal. And there's a lot of, there was a, a thesis in the Sydney Morning Herald on the weekend, which I haven't had time to read about, you know, the impact of the rules, because I've been complaining about these rules for two years. Was this by Fitzsimons? No. Because it would be, be very verbose. You wouldn't get time to read that. It really annoyed me that they, they reprinted an old Fitzsimons interview with Tommy Radonikus as part of their tribute stuff in the Herald. I mean, just entirely inappropriate in mind. By the way, did you see that the Good Weekend did a 10-page expose a couple of weeks ago about what's wrong with Rugby Union? <laughs> Only 10 pages. wasn't long enough. How did they get down? They squeezed it into it just, It was just the edited I highlights. I thought they'd sacked all it the was, sub-editors. It was one of those extracts. Extracts from a longer article about what is wrong with rugby union. From a novel. 
But I must say, for all you union fans out there, and I know there, <laughs> and I know there is a union podcast now on the Diamantina Podcast Network. I think with the new leadership that they've got in there, and the free-to-air deal involving Stan, uh, Stan and Nine, uh, the game is free. dead and buried. That's not free, but Stan. Anyway. Uh, but against one sim, but it seemed like a good trade. And one of the things that's become very murky is what are the causes of the six again? Because it happened so quickly. And I think what the NRL is doing, and I could be wrong here, but I'm seldom wrong, is the referee will actually go six again. Then there's a delay and he waves his arm as the bell comes. So that people, he's already made the call and send the call upstairs. And we've actually not known. So there's this sort of like five-second delay on the call. It's, actually, it's usually one play. Yeah. So th- we've got no idea. Yeah. And there's a conspiracy theory, isn't there, about what's happening with the NRL recording this stuff? Uh, yeah. Um, Gus has is, is piped up about it. Uh, Gus is a conspiracy a theory? That, that he invented, I don't think. Um, but he's, uh, yeah, he's, um, he's got this to say about it. The use of the six-again penalty restart mm. is, is too much. Yep. Too much. And what they've done is they've stopped recording them all. Because in week one, when I highlighted the fact that some referees were way over the top and some were down, now they've stopped, they've stopped actually recording them. The right. figures... No the, public figures, Gus. No, the figures that they publicise are wrong. Right? They're not... You know, you'd have to be sitting there ticking them off the whole way. But... Um... So, Redfern, Pat, what are you doing right now? Uh, my job is to do stats for the, um, for the NRL. For the NRL? For... Oh, Yes, in a roundabout sort of way. Hang on. Are you employed by the NRL to keep match stats? No, but the stats are for the NRL. Hey, hey, so as I so say, your I company is so, employed by the NRL, correct? Yeah. It, yeah. Is your company employed by the NRL? Yeah. Oh, so it is. So these are official NRL stats. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. I thought you were. Yeah, yeah. And, and in right. your duties... The, official app, the, the, the app that updates, that's yep. that's me. And in your duties, yeah. what do you keep track of amongst other things? Six against. Can we get Gus Gould and... Redfern pat in a room and settle this score because if you saw Gus and uh, Gal on 100% footy last night arguing about the obstruction rule, you know, which cost us the game, I'm just saying. Uh, this this is... You're blowing the lid off a yeah. huge scandal right here. Yeah. So they are. So you are, in fact, for the NRL, keeping yeah. them. Yeah. But they are choosing not to publish them, aren't they? Uh, I'm sure you could find them. Uh, if you go to the app during the game, I'm, the app. Yeah. because They're I hate not- the rule so much, I'm blowing up the lux and go, how many yeah. are against us? It does. I don't want to bore people, but it does, like... Yes, you do. It changes the. <laughs> don't, don't lie to them. When does anyone even know lying. now that they give a six again if you're inside the ten? No, no so the yeah, it is hard to keep track of there. If you're just looking at the rock, generally you can see that some. So you're not you're not you mic'd need, up. You you don't have access to the referees. We're just audio. doing it off of the television. Off the, oh my gosh, that's difficult. You actually yeah. need the referees' feed because they will say. Yeah. Um, inside the 10, six to go. So if you're just following that, you the can find six it. Six to go. The, the one with offside is is odd because technically it happens before. You so need... the offside infringement happens at the ruck when the player's offside. So then their next involvement is when they call it, but then the, the infringement actually happened at the play of the ball before. What you need is a direct report. You need someone underneath you reporting to you whose job is solely... Someone underneath me, that'd be pretty low. Th- that's, that's what I'm saying. That's pretty low in the that's, pecking order. And and their job is to listen to the ref's feed at yeah. the ground, get the ref's sports ears. Hello, yeah. boys at sports ears. <laughs> yeah. Murray Dragoning and the boys. Uh, Pete. And get them to write down what the referee says. Well, there is someone... There is... Because the referee is, is coaching the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a... For the referees, there is... 
There's a coach. There's this, a match day yeah. coach so for the So there must be a referee's hand side. Yeah, there is like they oh, keep. Oh, ooh. How good would that be? Tell you what, at, that is kept deep, deep At every ruck, it's of the the longer footage. It's like how many players are offside? Did the referee warn them? You know. By the, by the way, if there's a if there's a referee's hand side, it'd have to have a key to what all the nicknames are, like Hornswoggle and things like that. You know. Well, Hornswoggle's not a referee. He's, I know, he's, with, he's, he's with the Roosters. Like horse, that. for instance. And we got we got the badge. Chids. We got the badge at the I know Tigers. the badge is at your place. Yeah. Chids. I tell you what though, this is this is big stuff. H. Yeah. And uh, I I put a personal call out to the NRL is to get Redfern Pat mic'd up so he can get this accurately done. And these, this information must be shared with the people. Abdo. Peter Volandis. Overlord Volandis. People like to have you know, transparency. Well, they're all talking. Like there was a thing on the fan with Lara Pitt the other day saying everyone loves to talk about tackle bus now, right? They didn't even used yep. to keep that stat. And Vossi goes, yeah, my I day wish was, they did. In my day, it was a missed tackle. Right. It'd be a missed tackle against the Tigers, not a. Now everyone's TB assess, not tuberculosis, tackle breaks. Yep. I mean, we've got to fix this. I mean, it's good. It's a good spin. We need to, to get Volandis on here. Well, you know, they got he got he went on Hollow Sport, it but was that's on last week. I know, but they kowtow to the guy. They think he's terrific. They put a plaque on a bench to him. I yeah. want to challenge him. I say Ben Hunt broke his league because of Peter Volandis. There, I've said it. <laughs> uh, so you're not saying that Peter Volandis actually broke his leg? No, but he's from that. He's from that. Direct. He's from that underworld. Yeah, and, you know. Please get yeah, on our racing. Facebook page and listen to that stand. Yeah, you're not saying that these racing types would, would yeah. break someone's Murky. leg. No. Nah, don't tell me Lee Hatchapatellas is not mixed up in it in some way. Or <laughs> 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 Dino. But by the way, as I said, my my friend Peter Collar left my house saying St. George, I hate him, they're cheats. And you want another reason to hate St. George, Illawarra? Josh McGuire is just saying. I know, isn't that magnificent? Now, before we go to the break, uh, the other thing I had to endure, and Dennis, we shared this, was the Roosters and one of these stirring comebacks, which the Tigers didn't Uh, deliver against the Sharks. And what I call the Battle of the Top Notches, or the Kabuki Top Notches, Toby Rudolph takes on Angus Crichton. The private school, the Scots College Tabuki Top Notches. And as I know, part of my community service is to have a season ticket at the Roosters. And I sit with a... What, what, what crime did yeah. you commit to have such a, yeah. a geez, cruel punishment? I, I don't want to go to the ins and outs of it, but I'm not proud of it. And uh, it's it's been a real issue in my family, but anyway. Uh, so I'm sitting amongst these Roosters boosters and caught a former fire-up broadcaster, Brett Oaten, and the hubris and the self-congratulation. Is that they... Was it up there with Penrith? Oh, my goodness. And then when Sam Walker throws the Harbour Bridge past, they're saying which, they should... Which one, the left or the right? The one to the left. They're saying it should be put in the Smithsonian and all this stuff. So I'll actually publicly acknowledge I'm going to the Anzac Day clash as I always do, even though the Tigers are playing early in the day, and I'm, I'm going as the guest of Stephen Ferris, and uh-huh. I've guaranteed publicly that I will support the St. George Illawarra Dragons despite Josh Maguire despite the 11-6 agains yep. because of the way I feel about the Sydney Roosters and also we've always said uh, Griffin great coach Hook. and better bloke even better bloke and, and a great DJ yeah. terrific yeah. DJ and and in fact Stephen and I and Hook are we heading out because now we can dance again we're off to Universal so come to Oxford Ooh. Street Sunday night April 26 we'll all be there but um, Sam Walker of course uh, you know I think it's the son of Ben the likable Walker brother, is that right? He's, I thought Shane was the likable one. Chris definitely isn't the likable Chris one. Chris not, no. Is he one of the twins? Is, is Chris one of the twins? Are no they, twins. No, he's Ben no and twins? They're all just brothers? Ben and Shane twins. Oh, well, I don't know. It's complicated. Are, we, are they from Ipswich? Well, they're certainly from Ipswich. They they got got that, they got so you've got, you've got Walkers, you've got Walters, Walkers. They're probably some 
Anyway, Doesn't I think he's Ben's Lions. kid, and he's done well in his first two games. Doesn't so of play course, like Ben's kid. <laughs> so, of course, yeah, that's right. You know, who was his father? So, of course, there's now a lot of concern that the pressure on the young 18-year-old Tyro, let alone Suwali, who's not legal and shouldn't be playing. Um, and but, isn't. But could appear at any point of the clock. I haven't seen the selections today. He could be playing. Uh, it, Dean Ritchie in the Astonisher has uh, done the right thing, and he's actually delivered... A 12-point plan devised by four rugby league teenage prodigies to enable Sam to not fall victim to the hype and pressure of being a young NRL sensation. Now, this is terrific work by Dean. When I read the article in more detail, I suspect that maybe he's interviewed the four and they actually haven't put their heads together. But if they haven't, they should take this raw material and refine it because this is a prototype or a blueprint for how every young teen sensation should behave mm-hmm. in order not to get in trouble in their rugby league career. Can I briefly take you through some of the points? Please. Uh, they told Walker too, believe in yourself, believe in, believe in your preparation. Good belief. Good, yep. good belief good. is important. Ask senior players for advice, right? So the, the implicit there, don't ask other players for advice because what would they know? Because they're young and foolish like Res- yourself. Respect your elders. So, th- so we're saying that you have to believe in yourself, but ask other people because you shouldn't believe in yourself. You should believe in them. It's, it's, sorry. Because if you need to second guess yourself, the only way you can do that is ask senior players for advice. But, but you should believe in yourself anyway. As I said, this is a work okay. in progress. By yep, the way, yep, the yep. four rugby league teenage prodigies are Tim Brasher. Brasher. Debuted at the age of 18 for Balmain in 1989. With a Brandy Alexander. Ooh. Age 18 in 1984 for the Penrith Panthers. Paul Langmack was how old when he debuted for the Bulldogs in 83? 16, 17. 17. And 17. You'll know, uh, coming from June E. Oh, the June E Diesels. Jordan the little, Rankin. The kid that played, uh, well... <laughs> Not yes, the great Jordan commentator, Rankin. not the, yeah. the voice of rugby league. He came from Junie. Laurie Daly. Laurie Daly. And he made his first grade debut at the age of 17 in 1987. Mm. Now, they've said, be wary of social media. Those guys, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting suspicious. Like, what do those four men know about social media? Have well, any of them on well, Insta? They're wary of it because they don't understand That's it. That's right. So an 18-year-old child, yeah. more than likely, so I'm all over this. It, it, should, be, it should be clear. It, it should be get off social media. Yeah. This is important, and keep this in mind. Don't get ahead of yourself. Now, does that encompass one game at a time? That play, play just every tackle, every tackle. Yeah, full yeah. credit to the boys. Whereas, however, if you're Cameron Smith, yes. when you're on the rugby league field, you can see the future. He sees several plays ahead. It's a bit like the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, which makes me wonder. I wonder whether he was like the main protagonist in that series, or whether he's on the tranquilizers when he was out playing for Melbourne. Quite possibly to calm him down. Can you imagine Cameron Smith in bed and he looks up and he sees all 26 players on the field coming out of the it's ceiling? Probably, he's probably on the game. He's looking up and he can see he's got like there's like there's a mirror on his ceiling. I yeah. bet he has a mirror on yeah. the ceiling. But too. remember this: don't get ahead of yourself. Next point: read the hype, but don't listen to it. Don't believe the hype. Don't 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 believe the hype. <laughs> Dean Ritchie. Um, ready yourself for criticism because let's face it: from the likes of Dean Ritchie, it's coming. Don't downplay yourself. Self-deprecation, there's no room for it in rugby Doesn't league. Doesn't help. Doesn't no. help. Um, here's a really critical one, and I, and I think this applies to more than rugby league, but it applies very specifically to rugby league, and that is don't take your eyes off the ball. Now, that's, that's a very, very interesting one. Is that a metaphor or is that actually literal? Well, if you're Robbo, he's a big fan of the eyes up footy. He says, mm. we play front door eyes up footy, and mm. I've always maintained you need to keep your eyes up so you don't walk into the front door if it's closed. Yeah, but... Keeping your eyes, don't take your eyes off the ball. 
But a lot of players, you actually need to see what's going on off the ball to see. If you're a halfback, you need to be seeing where so the Benji are. taking on the line on on Thursday night. What was that? Benji, you know, taking yeah. over. The no, ball no, and you guys eyes. don't understand the difference. These are teen sensations. They're saying when you develop as a player, then you can They're, start taking your okay. eye off the ball. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, keep your head. Now remember, don't get ahead of yourself, but keep your head and be humble. Don't yeah, get yeah. carried away. Ret- so these, so pretty much, they're just saying to the Panthers, keep your head and be humble. <laughs> Don't get carried away. <laughs> Retain your internal level of excitement. Now, I assume that relates to your career and nothing else that's going on in your personal life. <laughs> oh, no, that'd be arousal. Oh, yeah, so, okay, arousal. Naden took that a bit different. That's right. Yeah, manage your level of internal arousal. Now, run with the early success. Good point. But get this. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. So that's in point eight. <laughs> that's in point so eight. Which is also back to point four. Point four is <laughs> don't get don't ahead get of yourself. yourself. <laughs> so, 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 Repeating advice. Well, that's because it's, it's a bit fight clubbish. That's right. You know, these, these are the rules. And, and they're, they're really pushing that one. It's young. It takes a while to sit in, sit in, sink in. And finally, listen to your coach. I've got only one thing to add to Walker. Get out of the roosters. They're a dying franchise. You're on <laughs> fire. Up. Oh, so no, just, come on. I'm about to rap, Pat, and you've got something to say. Uh, so don't, don't read the media. And that's like an open letter to... Walker, how's it supposed to get? How's the message supposed to get to him? <laughs> Dean Smith, there's a logical flaw there. <laughs> that's right. I mean, how can the kids be informed if they don't get on social media and read the press? Well, they follow the 12 point plan from Dean Ritchie. You are on fire up. And now it's time for the latest installment of the life and times of Gus Gould. Panther, dragon, rooster, warrior, bronco, eel, knight. Titan. Brilliant. And that was the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould. 99% of it, the, the innovation in the game and broadcasting has been brought on by Channel 9. <laughs> So we're taking we're taking Gus on today. Okay. And he's lost his marbles. <laughs> like he's he's gone and he's lost his last fan. I'm I'm off the I'm off the train. Are you no longer listening to Six Tackles with Gus? It's a struggle. Mm. It's a real struggle. And why do you feel he's lost his marbles? Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. When, when do you feel he actually had them? What well, evidence when he, is there? When he, I think he he says he invented forty twenties. He invented the game yeah. in nineteen oh eight. This has been long established you've, in rugby league. The musicals you've, you've yeah. um, presented that as a historical uh, artifact. It, it you? is. He he invented it, and, and it's on the cover of the original rugby league. Laws of the Game script. was written by Gus Gould on a coaster at the uh, Phillip Street Hotel. That's, that's it. It's exactly where he signed it. So he, he well, I was, I was perusing the TV on Thursday night, yeah, and I noticed mm. that the uh, South got over Broncos. Did they? Yeah, and then late in the game, Channel Nine, as is as is they want to do, were promoting the the game Panthers game the next day, and Gus had this to say about the Panthers. Panthers have won twenty two of their last twenty three or something. Like, the only game they lost was the grand final. They should have won that. He's still not over the grand final. Like, how many times have people... Like, it was all over the news the day after. That, the, the, they should have won that. That Melbourne had won. They should have the, won that. No, well, it was, that was part of it. And then the other half of the news was that Gus was, went crazy on, on Panthers hype. Like, they were down 26-0. And he's like, you know, Panthers got them right where they want them. Yeah, yeah, Panthers were up. You don't want to play good on... Like, there's peaking late. 
He knows which big, dressing room he would be. Yeah, yeah. Again, mm. the PWI wrestlers would go, "This is terrific. They're down twenty six points. You know, everyone's hating on them. They'll have a terrific comeback and win the belt, or, or possibly not. But they're going to get the crowd up or the Proven Summons Trophy, and they didn't do it. But I mean, this got you thinking, Pat. And if we go out, please share this podcast with your friends. We need more subscribers. Get on the NRL Twitter, the Fire Up Twitter at uh, Fire Up NRL, correct? Yep. Uh, Fire Up Facebook page. Join in because you get an opportunity to participate in this show and we want you and your colleagues to contribute to the debate. And given that we're dealing with loss, what was the topic that you put out to the so fan base? What what okay. losses can't get over? Right. In rugby league, it's a loser's table. Which which debits do you carry? Right. So okay as, with you? as you were alluding to before, Dennis, 15 out of 16 supporter bases are ultimately doomed to failure and each year. Well, I believe the quote is, winning is an aberration. Yeah, right. So if <laughs> you were asked that league. question, what, what's a loss you haven't been able to get over? <laughs> there are many. There are many we're, losses. We're running out of time here, Dennis. Okay, so. I'll, I'll go straight back to 1988. There were two than, losses in 1988. Worse than Sticky's broken leg? The Sticky's broken leg in 93. Yeah. We didn't lose that game. We won yeah. that game 68. Just a general loss. 68 nil last game of the season against the Eels. Sticky broke his leg. He was the general. Um, there was a game where the, the Bulldogs beat us nineteen eighteen in the nineteen eighty eight. What final was that called? I think they're all major, in rugby league. That every a, every major, 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 major semi finals. Major semi final. There was two Raiders players sent to the bin. Laurie Daly got the ball at dummy half, dummy to the left, went to the right. The ball left his hands. Didn't touch anyone. Didn't touch anything. He regathered it. Went through the line, scored, and was called back. That's what rugby league was founded on. That was Daily Messengers. Yep. Signature move. It was called back. That would have been a Raiders win. The Raiders would then have beaten the Sharks and gone into the 88 grand final against the Tigers. The following week, the Raiders played the Tigers and they lost 14-6. And this is the one that stings me the most because what happened here, the Raiders, were, it was halftime 6-2. The Tigers have gone in again. So they've made it 8-6 uh, to the Tigers. Ricky Stewart gets the ball on the try line after the Tigers, you know, do a Tiger sort of thing and lose the ball. And he kicks it downfield and then chases it through. He puts it up high. And then he was famous for his high spiraling torpedo. Not only did the ball spiral on its own axis, the flight path spiraled, making it very hard to catch. Radar boot Conlon is under it. He's juggling back and forth like Mike Hussey at the cricket ground, left to right, left to right. He finally gets it. But because the ball was up so long, Ricky has run. Bang! Smashes radar boot. The ball comes out. Ricky picks it up and runs off and he's on the way to the try line when he's called back by Mick Stone. Uh, He's called back by Mick Stone. And Ricky's like, why? And he said, you're offside. You were downtown. In this stage, you're allowed to do the downtown. Would you say not in the spirit of the game? He didn't say not this word of the game, but Ricky put his arms out and he was a mid-close-up on camera and said, but I something kicked it. I don't think it was actually something, but it looked like something. I, Michael Lucking, kicked it. And the ref said, I don't care. You're offside. By the way, good news for all Fire Up fans is there's talk of Carmichael Hunt coming to the Broncos. Uh, he's playing the Q Cup. Yeah, he's playing the Q Cup. But I, I, now, if I remember, that was a wet day. Is that That right? was a wet day. Yeah. Now, I went, I have a feeling we had to like beat Penrith or something in a playoff to get into the semis. And we went on a run, which was Manly, U, Sharks. And we fell short. Which was funny because it was Belmain, Penrith, Mick Stone. Yeah. Belmain, Manly, Mick Stone. Yeah. Belmain, Canberra, Mick Stone. Belmain, Cronulla, Mick Stone. And then he dudded you. Right, so he I, was on your side all through the, until the '88 Grand Final, and he turned his back and said, "Have at him, Terry. That's right. Have at him, <laughs> Baba. Yeah. Do your worst. I'm not looking." 
Ellery Hanley, I don't like these. That is a rope-a-dope. Uh, so I actually was at all those games, but couldn't get to the grand final, so maybe I'm the problem. Mine, of course, is very obvious. It's the, the next to the greatest day of your well, life, the 1980 grand, grand yeah. final. We have a mention of, of the 1989 final. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Michael, the, was it his worst memory? the Steelers versus Broncos in the Panasonic Cup. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so there were two tragic losses that year. And I'd never heard of this. There is a dead set basketball pass the Broncos throw to win the game. Oh, went like way dead, Yeah, like over, like over the top basketball pass. Yeah, because they needed to um, improve the Brisbane market. Yeah, they're not they're not above that sort of stuff. I won't go into the '89 Grand Final because it give you license to go into the '89 Grand Final. Let's just simply say, in one month around that particular period of time, I broke my leg, my house was robbed, and we lost the Grand Final extra time. Rebreak my leg, re-rob my house, give me that premiership. What else have we heard out there from the ether? Redfern Pat? Uh, a lot of dragons. Yes. Dragons well. are carrying. <laughs> well, they're used to loss. <laughs> dragons are carrying a lot of losses with them. A couple of mentions of the Tigers on um, Sunday. I think that's that loss is going to carry for a while. Uh, um, there's it, actually one I'll say at the end, which I think might be uh, maybe put our heads together and see, see if we can come up with what I, I when I heard. I'm like, this, that's the worst loss, worst beat anyone's ever. Who are had. the dragons victims? Who who's been sending the feedback? Uh, there? Who is? Oh, who are they? Uh, so Ben Searle. Yep. I think so he's we- pretty much named every. Um, Dragons lost. 99 grand final, I think, would stick in the crawl. Didn't they lose like six? Like they won 78, yeah. was it? 85, 87? 85, Bulldogs, 92, 93. Two to the Broncos. 96, 99. 96 to Manly. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the 95 semifinal to the Bulldogs <laughs> when the Bulldogs finished seventh or eighth. Yeah, and they beat the Raiders yeah. who were the reigning I think 05 is the worst five. Dragons beat. 05 oh. against the Tigers. Oh, that was a that was a crippling loss. But yeah. I, I can tell you, you go back and watch the video. The Tigers run out. Brett Hodson up on his toes, smiling, going, "How good is this?" And then the sort of like Cybermen out came the Dragons, carrying the weight of the world. Trent Barrett looked like he knew he was going to be destined to coach because, Manly and the Bulldogs they, in his future. They could feel the choke oh, in my their neck goodness. as they ran out. And we played with a joie de vivre, if I can use that expression oh, again, Dennis. Yeah. And that was a crippling loss for the, the Dragons. Next year, Loved the, it. The next year, the Dragons beat the premiers of Broncos in week one and then they lost to Melbourne in like a, close, a competitive game and Nathan Brown after the game I remember this clear as day and I've only seen it the one time his hair's all gone his face <laughs> is droopy he looks dejected like he's just a broken human being and, he, and he's in this press conference and he says um, he's pulling his face and he says you know my wife says to me Nate your problem is you love rugby league but sometimes rugby league she just don't love you back Oh, I've man. seen it once and it was 15 years ago. Burning in your mind. It like burning my mind is like one of, until um, uh, Corey Horsburgh had his little Corey brain explosion last year, like my all-time favorite rugby league moment. And I quite like Brownie. So you, you preferred, you like Horsburgh. Corey Horsburgh's... My top three is the, the Brownie, Horsburgh, yep. and then third is uh, Corey Allen passing to Alex Johnston in the in goal. <laughs> Um, I was at the 96 grand final and I was with my mate John Osborne I won't identify him by name and he's an insane St George supporter and I think Manson was the referee and the number of times he'd scream the words in uh, no particular order Manson you prick and I think it was just near half time where Brownie actually had, he still had his hand on Matthew Ridge oh, which yeah. looked like he completed the tackle yeah. and Ridge got up and ran Ooh. again yeah. and then Manly uh, scored almost immediately thereafter now, earlier on when he was yelling all his uh, bile and invective, they put up those things, those graphics. If there's anyone in the crowd is creating trouble, 
you know, please tell a, a marshal and they'll come attend to it and all these people are looking right in our direction. <laughs> but by the time that Ridge gets up to run the ball, despite having been tackled by Brown, my mate is just slumped in the seat, exhausted, and it was already over. He couldn't even get any rage up and it was already too late. He was out of rage. Who else uh, threw in something? Time might be getting the best of us. We've got uh, uh, George O'Grady said the Sunday roast. Oh, Which well. is on top of my mention of um, Boots and All. So, so that was the, yeah. the Gould Voss vehicle, correct? That, yeah, it was post Boots and All, though. Right. And I, yeah. I enjoyed those shows. Yeah. And yeah. then Boots and All sort of uh, the fan, same, same spirit as the fan. I'm, I'm enjoying the fan this year. I'm enjoying Lara's work and Vossi's work. Uh, yeah, great. Fantastic. Uh, David Kowalski mentioned like Swans and West Coast. I think that might be the North American Rugby that's League. That's right. That's the new North American Rugby League coming. So he's he's worried about yep. losses in the future. Yep. We got a few mentions of the Bears. Uh, John Doherty um, heading that up. We got Andrew Barry said the 1997 Grand Final. He must be a Sharks fan. <laughs> Super League. <laughs> uh, Did one shot. Glass Until- Canoe said Willie Peters leaving St. George for South Sydney in 2002, which of course was on the heels of Andrew Hart doing the same thing. <laughs> Um, oh, then we had um, a couple of uh, of poignant ones. Friend of the show, Brendan Clay, said Bronco Reg. Where's he? He's gone quiet. Oh, that's a big loss. Yeah, I, no, I, he said Bronco Reg would be the two fifteen grand final. But Bronco Reg, like we lost, like lost him years ago. Yeah, and I, then on I, the heels of that was. Uh, you go. Yeah, well, too, as I said, though, one tackle away from immortality for Wayne Bennett, and he wouldn't be coaching anymore because he would have done it all. And Anthony Milford wouldn't be in Coosbane, which he is right now, um, or purgatory. But I can safely, uh, well, I can happily report that uh, Bronco Reg is thriving. He actually accompanied me to the Battle of the Top Knots out at the Old Girl on Saturday night, and he's getting married this year. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we won't go over who got invited and who didn't. That's fine. Uh, friend, a supporter of the show, Cass Wilkinson, who from the early days of, of FBI rule, I'm very much an encourager of us. Said, FBI, FBI legend. Love Cass. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, Brett Oten, she hasn't gone over that loss, and so well, we haven't either. Well, she can get stuffed. <laughs> and then the I thought that the the worst beat of all time, do you, do you guys have one just quickly before we go? No, no. I think uh, 89 grand final is where I always go. I reckon there's one worse. 63. Oh, so 60, St. George West. Yeah, so 63. I yeah. had this in my mind. and um, Has someone put that in there? Someone put that in there. Speaking of Matthew Ridge, the the, the player having the, the hands still on him, that was the one where the – who was it that got Rip. up to go? And he, he was tackled. He was and held. And the referee and he was on the go. take. Darcy Lawler. the referee Lola. was Darcy on Lola. the take. Yeah. And, and Johnny yeah. King scored She's the try, correct? Yeah. yeah. And, of course, it's where we get the, the iconic John O'Grady photograph of yep. Arthur and Norm yeah. caked in mud. That was Richard Yasby, by the way, who said that one. Oh, Richard Yabsley. He's a big West fan. And, um, I, but, you know, certainly Arthur's never accepted it. Noel Kelly's never accepted it. It's... And imagine just how much it would, you know, I know we're, we're stuck for time, but imagine how much it would change. Because you wouldn't have the... We wouldn't have the 11 years yeah, of you'd nightmare. Have, what, the never before, never yeah, you'd again. Have, Five or six. Yeah. But is it possible, though, that if that, if that, might, if that you know, piece of history changed, that perhaps the Dragons might have won in 77 and 78 and 92, 93, 96, 96 90, 99, 99 and, and on and on? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you could... 85. Was 85 they lost 2-0 or something? Was it 7-6? Seven, 7-6 six? Seven, six to the Dogs, yeah. I think. Something then you like have that. the Steelers fan. Maybe they, that reverses, then the Steelers end up beating St. George because oh. St. George have so drunk on success through the 70s and, and 80s. And now we just have the Illawarra Steelers not even and no ha- Dragons. Yeah. Oh, might we not- have the Illawarra Steelers in the western suburbs. And you Magpies. also might not even have had the Sharks. He changed history. He's responsible for Granada Sutherland. There's a podcast called Hypothetic And the West Tigers. That does this. 
Um, we don't want to step on their toes, but yeah, I think, that's I think the, we just did. Yeah, I think that's the worst beat of all time. And you know, I have a friend who's now a district court judge who named his son Darcy, and I said, "Is that the ultimate, you know, joke that a lawmaker <laughs> has named his son in honour of a the referee most... who's not here to defend himself, but has commonly accepted he was a cheat?" Also, a referee called Lawler. Yes, I know. It's a beautiful, wow, ironic. Yeah. I'm gonna have one of these every week. We had Terry Bull. Last week, he laments the loss of his hair. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, Todd Slater laments the loss of his hair. Yes. My apologies. And Terry Bull laments, um, still lamenting Trent Barrett. Well, anyway, let's hope Nat Butcher delivers his namesake for the Roosters this weekend. Uh, Dennis, thank you very much. Riff and Pat, thank you for your hard work and brilliant audio. This is Fire Up. We'll join you next week. Woo!